Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 21st. Don't compare yourself with others to either your advantage or their detriment. On a freeway, as many cars precede you as follow behind, once you are in front of one cluster, you will only find yourself last in the next one. Resolve simply to go your own way, intent wholly on reaching your own destination. Sometimes when people think about the progress from delusion to enlightenment along the spiritual path, we tend to see it in a very linear manner. It's like, here's everybody who's in delusion, here are the masters, and we're all walking on this straight wire, and so therefore if I'm here, then these people are in front of me, and these people are behind me, and I can evaluate what I'm doing, and I can tell who I'm ahead of, I can feel badly about those who are ahead of me, and it's completely the whole image is so completely confused, quite apart from the uselessness of comparison, which is a whole different issue, but the entire image is confused. Because what we're doing, in another sense, is we're all, and, and you've heard me use this image before, but it's a very important one. If you think of a wheel, and you think of superconscious enlightenment being in the center of that wheel, and we're all at a, at a distance from superconsciousness, now there's no spatial relationship here, but let's, if we can imagine it like that, we're all living on the periphery of our reality. We all have the same central reality. We all emanate from the same divine force, and in the center of our own being is our divine point of origin. And the closer we get to that center, if you think of it like a trajectory, now I'm going to change the image in a minute, but if you think as if, there were straight spokes into the center from all the different edges. I'm going to change the image, I warn you. Um, as we get closer to the center, you know, the spokes begin to get really, really close together. It All the way out on the edges, they're quite wide apart, and so the difference between us seems enormous. But the closer we get to the center, all the spokes get closer and closer until they all come to the same single point of origin. And so we, be, we realize when we live at the edge of our consciousness, the periphery of our consciousness, we see separation and we compare and we contrast. The closer we expand into our own inner reality, the more we all begin to look alike and the differences between us get really, really small. So, um, but, but the way we think of it, let me, just, let me just get that clear for just a second. Oh, here is how I want to change the image. But the idea, oh, so what I was saying, it's not like we're all lined up and we're, we're passing each other. It's every person is, it, it seems kind of backwards because you're going into the center, it appears as though you're getting smaller. But what happens is um, we're all just moving, we're all moving at our own pace toward the same reality and there's nobody, who's ahead of whom when we're doing it like that? We're all just moving down our own trail, the only trail. Now here's where it gets confusing. It's not a straight line from the periphery to the center. Karma is so complicated. And the, the conflicting cross-currents of ego, as Yogananda puts it in Autobiography of a Yogi, 
just make even any kind of linear analysis just pretty much impossible. And, and here's what the, like the conflicting cross currents of ego are, is that like we, we don't develop evenly. It's like, it, it, if you're going to think of any kind of a linear picture, this is the picture that Swamiji presented once, which I think is very valid. Imagine a huge warehouse with an incredible jumble of furniture and possessions, all of it at one edge, one, one edge of the warehouse. Every single item has to be carried from where it's stored now to the opposite edge of the warehouse. And you really can't carry more than one or two items at a time. And you have to go all the way to the far edge and put it down. And then you have to go back and get the next one, and you have to go all the way to the far edge and put it down. So at any one point, it's really hard to say sort of where you are in this process. Or even you think of it a different way. You have to move everything six inches. But it's more that you pick up one big chair, you know, one big chair which might be disciplined willpower, and you devote yourself to carrying that big chair all the way across to the finish line. And so most of your nature, most of your karma is still just piled up behind you. But disciplined willpower has been moved all the way to the goal line. So maybe you're not very nice, maybe you're a thief, maybe you're not always honest, but you have this disciplined willpower. And that disciplined willpower kind of um, pushes through the obstacles that are created by the fact that you're not very nice and you're a bit of a liar and you're sort of a thief, but you have so much willpower and so much energy, when the consequences of that try to catch you, you can outrun them with your disciplined willpower. Now, it doesn't mean they'll never catch up with you because the karma that we have to be worked out is like a boomerang. And you, you throw it out, and no matter if you're powerful, if you have all that powerful willpower, you throw it really far but it's still, it's on a journey, it's connected to you, and it's eventually going to hit you, but you can outwit it for a long time because of your disciplined willpower, the thwarting cross-currents of egoic development, of egoic force, that's what Master called it. So we don't just take a step, you know, solidify that step, settle all the karma that's related to that step, take another step, solidify it, so, you know, I'm a 10 and you're a 6 and he's an 11. You know, it's just not like that. Let's go back to the rim of the wheel and let's see ourselves, instead of going forward in that spoke, we just we, let's just take a marking pen and let's just be like a little child making a scribble. You know, what does a child do? He goes down for a while and he makes a couple of waves like that. And then he goes up and then he goes crisscrossing like this. And then he makes some loop-de-loops and then he comes back to where he started. Then he shoots across the middle of it. Oddly enough, that's the spiritual path. So if you imagine everybody whose personal karmic trail from the periphery to the center looks like a child's scribble, that's what we're really working with. So standing in the middle of the loop-de-loop of yours, looking over at the zigzag of someone else, like, who's ahead? Who's behind? You just can't even tell. You look at somebody's warehouse, and they've moved all the living room furniture and one spoon from the kitchen, you know, and you've gotten a whole bathroom set up over there and then a pillow to sleep on. It's, who's ahead? Who's behind? You can't even begin to think about it because we're all just untying the unique knots that we have. And, and we also judge so superficially. You know, there's, there's a, a beautiful 
confirmation from the divine, which is very, very simple. God reads the heart. And, and that's really something to meditate on. God reads the heart. Now think about it from the point of view of human relationships. Think how often, think first, let's think of it first in the positive. How profound it is when somebody really understands you. You know, I, I thank God every day I had that kind of friendship with Swami Kriyananda. He always understood me. He often understood me far better than I understood myself. I didn't, I don't mean to say that he always saw me as a shining light because he often understood me. He often understood what my real intention, whether uplifted or nefarious, um, really was. But he always, he could, he could intuitively know, he could see past the confusion of my own thoughts and my own words to what the real intention of my heart was. And as a consequence, I felt so safe with him. I always felt safe with him. Whether he criticized me or confirmed me, whether he supported me or had to stand on the other side of a question, I never doubted that he understood me. Okay? That's, that's, that's a divine friend. Swami was a divine friend. And that's how the divine is with us. That's how God and Guru are with us. They really know who we really are. And then let's add to that. And their love and support is unconditional. So that's all that we really need. We, we don't, no other measurement, no other measurement. Okay, here's what I was going to say. God reads the heart, whereas human beings, we, we tend to see, we tend to see the superficial. We tend to see each other in terms of our personalities and our psychology. There was a, a man at Mount Washington when, when, Yogananda was living, he was a monk there, although Master eventually had to ask him to not live in the monastery. He was a disciple, and the way Swami described him is he had um, commotion karma, which is a phrase that Swami has used about certain people. They just have commotion karma. No matter what they try to do, it always just turns into this huge sort of chaotic thing. Swami used as one example that when they were building the... um, the Lake Shrine, which is this beautiful, now is a beautiful park-like uh, sacred area that, that was donated to Yogananda in his lifetime. And he was trying to stock the pond there with fish. And I think ducks would come and they were eating the fish. And Master did not want to make it a place for ducks. So he had a BB gun. And from time to time when the ducks were, were, were around, he would actually shoot the BB gun because it would it would register in the minds of the ducks that this was not a place that they wanted to be. So he was just persuading them to choose another locale. So James saw Master shooting the BB gun, and once when he was there alone and the ducks came, James picked up the BB gun, but instead of shooting just into the air, he shot the BB gun. I actually think he killed two ducks. (laughs) He killed two ducks, which of course was shocking enough. And then one of the neighbors saw that someone had just shot two ducks and called the police. So the police came because it was illegal to shoot ducks like this. This was James. Swami said no matter what happened, whatever he started, it just ended up in a mess. And he had such incredible commotion karma that Master actually felt he was unsuitable for the ashram and he had him go live in, in another place by himself. He didn't, he didn't uh, dismiss him as a disciple. 
In fact, I believe it was about him that Master said that as a devotee, as a disciple, that James was like a mouthful of hot molasses. He said, too hot to swallow, but too sticky to spit out. <laughs> and what he meant was that James was completely devoted, but he was so chaotic, you know, Master didn't quite know what to do with him. Okay, having said all of that, Master said, he is going to be fully liberated in this lifetime. And that is a, you know, that is not common. That is really an astounding statement. And even Master said, I don't know how, but Divine Mother says so, so it must be true. Now, no one looking at him from the outside would ever have thought that was so. But God reads the heart. Purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity of heart is not being effective with money, good with people, articulate. It doesn't mean anything. Purity of heart is having no guile of just loving God with everything you have. And sometimes when we love God with everything we have, well, gosh, a lot of other stuff doesn't work because we're not shrewd and we're not calculated and we're not careful and we're not thinking about what's going on in this world. We're just thinking about loving God. So that's what we have to think about. Swami puts it so beautifully. Don't worry about what the other drivers are doing. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just be intent on where you're going. Just give yourself wholly, completely, to, to your journey. And in every interaction, think, you know, how can I, how could, through this interaction, through this activity, through this project, how can I draw closer to God? Because what else is my life for except to draw closer to God? And when all other um, thoughts and distractions are erased from the heart, we become blessed with purity of heart. And then we see God. Isn't that a wonderful, isn't that a wonderful, inevitable, glorious end to this great journey of the soul? So Swamiji says, Don't compare yourself with others either to your advantage or their detriment. On a freeway, as many cars precede you as follow behind. Once you are in front of one cluster, you will only find yourself last in the next one. Resolve simply to go your own way, intent wholly on reaching your own destination. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.